0: This is Revive Chicago. Listen and be changed. Today, my message is going to be from John chapter 13. And we're going to start out in verse 1 and kind of tell, tell a story that most people are familiar with. Even if you don't have a religious background, you've heard this story, you've heard about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We're going to dig into it a little bit and then see where God takes us. So, John chapter 13 And that he had come from the father and was returning to the father. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This passage is super interesting. And I want to point out a couple things just as we're going in. Because washing feet, even today would be an awkward thing, right? Like if I, if I all of a sudden went around back here and pulled out a water basin and I started calling some names and said, I'm going to wash your feet. Like, I'm not sure if it would be more embarrassing for, it'd probably be more embarrassing for you than for me. You're like, are my toenails cleaned? Did I clip them recently? Like, do they smell? Like everybody, people would be really worried. Even Today. And in their day, they're walking around on dusty streets with, you know, camel dung and whatever else is out in the streets. And everywhere they walk, like, your feet are getting dusty and dirty and then you're traipsing it into homes. And so the homes of the wealthy, part of the ritual, part of the process was when you had guests over, you had a servant set like, their job was to wash the feet of the people coming in. That was their job. And as you can imagine, it's not anybody's favorite job. This isn't this isn't the high level, this isn't the top servant that you have managing your household and trusting with all of your finances. This is this is the lowliest of the low servant that you entrust with this duty typically. Right? They got they got the small they got the shortest straw. And what I noticed about this is Even in their, like, in their day would have been especially gross to wash someone's feet for being honest. And then you read how it describes, like, John's leading us up to this moment where Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and is actively washing their feet. And you can see, like, it says that Jesus took off his outer cloak. Imagine it, the the closest thing in our day would be, like, uh, a guy with a sports jacket on or a suit taking off his jacket. Right, and then and setting it aside so that he doesn't get it all dirty with the water. Like this is what Jesus is doing in taking off this outer cloak. Is well, he actually had a cloak that designated him as a teacher amongst the crowd. Like people would have recognized the cloak and known his sort of social status. It was a nice cloak. If you think about at Jesus' death, the Roman soldiers cast lots to try to like they all wanted his cloak. Roman soldiers wanted his cloak. It would, so this was a nice piece of clothing. Again, similar to a, a really high-end suit that somebody, some guy would wear today. That if for some reason it doesn't fit me anymore and you want my suit, like, yeah, I, w- I want that one. And you're going to all like place bets to try to get it type thing. And that's what, that's the cloak that Jesus is taking off. So he's taking off an outer cloak, wrapping a towel around his waist. But John is giving us a long lead in. He wants us to know that Judas is there. And I'm trying to imagine what's going through Jesus' head in this moment, especially knowing his betrayer is there. And he's going to wash his betrayer's feet, and then his betrayer is going to leave and go and do the act of betraying. Like Jesus knows the actual, like God has now revealed to him the timeline of this. So Jesus is celebrating his final Passover meal with his disciples. And he knows that one of them is going to betray him. And he washes their feet anyway. And then it also says, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now imagine, again, imagine yourself. If you suddenly got deputized with all power, what is the first thing you are doing? You're finding like a Thor outfit or Spider-Man or whatever, and you're going to suddenly like go gangbusters on the powers of evil, or you're going to go and take over the world, right? You're going to use your laser eyes on something and like, cut, you know, like... If you suddenly have all power, the last thing you're thinking about doing is taking the role of the lowliest servant and washing people's feet. But that's how John is describing Jesus here. Jesus, realizing that God had put everything under his power, did this. It really makes you stop and think because in our day what do and in their day what do most people do with power they use it to lord over someone else as soon as you're in a position of power as soon as you're in a position of authority i mean look at our look at look at the corruption in the world look at the things that are going wrong what do people do with power they misuse it they abuse it it's not that power in itself is bad because we like There has to be a hierarchy. There has to be leaders. But it seems to me a lot of times that when people get put in a position of power, they don't serve. They use the power to help themselves. They use the newfound authority to benefit themselves, to line their pockets and the pockets of their friends. And you watch it happen over and over and over again in our day and down back through the centuries. If you know anything about history, that's what has happened with people with power. And then you've got this man Jesus realizing that all power has been given to him and he transforms into the lowliest of the low. Like, I don't even know what the modern day equivalent to this would be. We just don't even have it. We're all just happily putting our shoes on to cover up the stinky feet. You know? Like, there's no real, like, because I don't even, th- like, people don't really even look down on on pedicures. Like, they're happy to get the pedicure. <laughs> so they don't, it's not like people look around, if you heard of someone who is a pedicurist or a manicurist, you're not, you don't think of them as a low member of society. Usually they make some decent money. <laughs> and, and I, so I don't I don't know what the equivalent job to this would be, but this is in their day, this is the lowliest of the low. And Jesus is actively putting himself in that position. And as you can imagine, some of the disciples have a problem with it. And we're going to read on. So after Jesus, verse five, after that, Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Like, just wash everything. Clean me. Like, why just my feet? And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. So even in this process, like he's washing Judas' feet, but he knows Judas needs a lot more than just his feet washed. Something's unclean in his heart. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put the outer clothes back on and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have done for you? I don't think they did. I don't think we do. Like, we're smart, intelligent people. I'm not trying to insult you. <laughs> but like, as we read this story, I don't know that we really understand fully what he was doing here. And today through this sermon, I hope that we can get a better grasp of what was really taking place. What was really going on? Why, why did Jesus do this? Was he trying to get churches to set up a foot washing ceremony? Like once a year, here's going to be the awkward service that nobody wants to come to. <laughs> and even like, as funny as that is, there's actually been different movements throughout church history. There's one, there's, it's called the Quaker Movement. And every Sunday they took turns washing each other's feet. Like they made this almost like communion. May not be a bad thing. <laughs> Jesus asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Again, we're trying to understand, what is he really going after? What's he really want? Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as i have done for you i tell you the truth no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him what is jesus wanting them to understand is he teaching them how to how to get someone's feet clean and make sure you scrub between the toes make sure you rub out the bunion on the side I don't know why i said that just give you guys a visual What's he doing? He's teaching them how to serve. He's teaching them how to serve. This is how you serve each other. If you're going to be a part of a group, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to call me Lord, Lord, then you've got to serve. Why would you call me teacher and not do what I do? If you're going to... you. Nobody in here is claiming to be greater than Jesus. But then we have such a difficult time serving each other. Laying down our life for someone else. Helping someone else. Encouraging someone else. Taking care of someone else. What goes through our head? Like, just wash your own feet. Don't you have a shower at home? (laughs) You know, we want want other people to just take care of themselves. You take care of yourself, I'll take care of myself. But that's not servanthood. In the church, in the body of Christ, we need each other. And Jesus is saying, you're not greater than your master. You're calling me Lord. You're calling me teacher. But then you're not serving each other. You're self-serving. And don't you think in this moment... Twice, John, the writer of this gospel, twice he tells us Jesus knew who was going to betray him. And Jesus washes his disciples' feet anyway. Washes that disciple's foot anyway. And I think that's one of the things that hinders us from serving each other. Well, what if they betray me? Well, they don't seem like they're really here for me. Why would I serve them? They don't help me. Why would I do something nice for them? They are not doing anything for me. It's like, well, that's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus didn't say, go serve other people so they will serve you. He said to go serve others. He said to go love others. He said to lay down your life for others. And you got, like, it's kind of a crass analogy, but to just put it that way, like you're dealing with other people's stinky mess things that they maybe could or should do for themselves. And you're serving them and helping them. Setting aside your priorities, your wants. Knowing full well that they could in the future betray you. They could in the future never do anything for you again. And this is where it gets hard. Because, so, like, some of you in this room, like, well, I will, every one of you in this room has probably served as somebody else at some point. But I also would be willing to bet that that voice has gone through your head. When is, when's my turn? When's my turn to be served? When do I get the feedback? When do I get the love? When does somebody else look out for me? When's someone going to wash my feet, so to speak? And you felt, you've probably felt through the years at different times and different seasons, you felt like you're the one serving, you're the one giving, you're the one doing, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. And you get tired of it. But Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. That calls into question, why were we really doing it? Were we really serving or were we doing it to get? Did we create some kind of social obligation like i got you a gift so you got to get me a gift i did something nice for you so you got to do something nice for me that's not serving serving is doing something when the other person can't do it for themselves can't do it back the disciples didn't turn around and wash Jesus' feet. And they definitely couldn't go to the cross. The next steps that Jesus was about to take. And Jesus set aside the fact knowing that someone was going to betray him and he served them anyway. That's convicting, guys. Like, I don't know who that person might be. Maybe there's no one coming to mind for you. But like, can you think of a way to go serve someone who's betrayed you in the past? Like, think of a moment in your past where someone has betrayed you. Someone has let you down. Could you do it? Could you go serve them? That'd be tough. But that's what Jesus is doing. That's the example he's setting and he's asking them, he's like, he's like I'm going to model it, I'm going to show you how to do it, and then I'm going to ask you, do you understand what I just did? And I'm a dad of three little girls, I bring them up in my sermons from time to time, six years old, four years old, two years old, and there's certain things that I can show them and model for them over and over and over again, and they just don't seem to get it. Like, I've, shown you, I've shown you that five times now. And it's like, in one ear, out the other. Or you watch it with your own eyes. So I find myself asking that question. Do you understand what I just did for you? Do you understand? Sometimes I think Jesus had to get that way with his disciples. Sometimes Jesus has to get that way with us. Like he's going to model it. He's going to show us how to do it. And then he's going to ask us, do you understand what I just did for you. And we probably don't. But then he says, later, you will understand. And so even as you're listening to me and I'm bringing forth this message to our church, maybe you don't fully understand in the moment what that serving looks like, what that service might look like in the face of betrayal. Betrayal. but later you will. Because it's not even prophetic to say at some point in the future you're going to get betrayed again. Every single one of you in this room, you've, you've lived long enough, you've been around life long enough to know people hurt you, people betray you, it happens. So it's probably, it might not be next month. It might be 10 years from now. But at some point, you're going to be in a position where you feel very betrayed by a close friend. And suddenly this line is going to come. Do you understand what I did for you? And Jesus served Judas anyway. That's crazy talk. That's not how we think. That's not human nature. When you get betrayed, you want to go hurt them. You want to make them feel bad. You want them to know how badly they betrayed you. You want to set things right. And Jesus here doesn't set things right. He serves. He serves. And he's not serving to get. There's nothing they can get him. He's the son of God. He's kind of hard to buy for. <laughs> Jesus didn't serve to be served. There's a, that's another scripture in Matthew, right? The son of man did not come to serve. Or, No, I'm going to say it backwards. You know how when you're back up in front of people and it always just comes out wrong? Maybe it'll make it more memorable for you guys. (laughs) The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why Jesus came. And he's asking us today, do you understand what I've done? And there's probably dozens and dozens of things in our lives that Jesus has done for us that we didn't fully understand things behind the scenes that he's worked on your behalf, set you up for success, set you up for a future and a hope. We didn't even understand. We missed it. We missed the fact that he's, he's serving us still. Scripture says elsewhere that he stands at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. He's serving you still. He's praying for you still. He hasn't stopped. Even when You've betrayed him. Because we've all been there too. You've, you've betrayed him. I've betrayed him. More than I'd care to admit. And Jesus still serves me. He still loves me. He still takes care of me. Especially when I don't deserve it. And we like to point our finger to the Judas and be like, that guy did not deserve to have his feet washed. But then again, we've all kind of been the Judas. We've all betrayed him. We've all let him down. And he washed your feet anyway. He paid the price for you anyway. He laid down his life at the cross for you anyway. Knowing what you were going to do. Knowing how you were going to mess up. He laid his life down. And we tend to look at the other person. We tend to look at the people. We're so self-centered. We look at the people in our lives that have betrayed us and we point the finger at them. Not realizing we're kind of the Judas. We've let him down. We've betrayed him. And Jesus died for us anyway. He served us anyway. He didn't misuse or abuse his power. That's the real Christianity. It's getting into a position of power and not misusing it. Not abusing it. And sometimes it's like, uh, uh, it's almost a silly frivolous example, but like, I'll bring my daughters back into this. (laughs) I'm just, I'm a little bit stronger than them. But when we wrestle and play and have little tickle fights, they have it in their head that they can tackle me and take me down and wrestle and pin me. And then I'm laying on the ground and they're just jumping on my back. And we could think of that as an example of power restrained. I have all the power, but I don't need to use it. I set my power aside, so to speak, to play with them and enjoy time with them and have fun with them. Power doesn't always have to create this domination, power doesn't always have to exert itself. That's pretty awesome. Knowing who you are, you don't have to dominate everything. You don't have to dominate every person you're around. You don't have to get in and get your way. That's not servanthood. That's not the way Jesus modeled for us. Jesus modeled, lay yourself down. Lay your life down. And there's real power in that. In verse 17, it says this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Man, this this line, this line is what really got me. (laughs) Because I know these things. You know these things. Probably every single one of you in this room have heard somebody talk about servanthood before. Being a servant, helping other people. And we tend to think of ourselves in those terms. We think we're doing it. But as this message has gone on, you've probably felt it a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm not really doing it. I'm not really serving like I've told myself I'm serving. I'm not really laying my my life down. I'm actually doing it because I want my own benefit. And it changes how we look at other people. It changes our ability to love other people. Notice how this story started out. It said, "Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love." That's how this story. That's how it started. And then it ends with just pure conviction. (laughs) Now that you know these things, we'll be blessed if you do them. And this is the moment where we cross the chasm between knowing and doing. Because everybody knows. We know what we're supposed to do. We know the right thing. We know we're supposed to serve. But how often do we actually do it? without a self-serving agenda how often how often have you even thought of your friend's stinky feet you know what i mean like we're so involved in our own mess we're so involved in our own lives we so we are so focused on ourselves it makes it hard to see other people, like, they're facing things. They're going through things. They've got battles. How can I serve them? How can I help them? How can I lay down my life for them? What would that look like for me? And I love this line because he says, Now that you know, you have to do and one of the earliest heresies in Christianity was called, it was called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is spelled with a G. It's one of the like gnats and stuff. Like G-N-O-S. Like that's how it's spelled. Gnosticism. And this was the idea that you are saved through knowledge. And when you attain this higher knowledge, that's what gives you salvation. and it was a heresy in the church and it took off like wildfire because we all kind of human, human nature we're attracted to knowledge we're attracted to knowing things we, we even have phrases like when somebody tells you something they're excited about something new that they learned and what, do you, what is your response? oh I know someone shares with you a news story and what do you say like oh yeah I heard about that and sometimes it's just a turn of phrase that we say right? But sometimes it kind of gives this like vibe like, oh yeah, I already knew. Don't even bother telling me. You know what I mean? Like we have these ways, we're, we're, we're so seeking knowledge. People are addicted to their phones and reading news and reading the latest facts, reading the latest political whatever. And we get so pulled in to knowing things. But knowing things doesn't change you. It doesn't transform you and it can't save you. And there's even, like it's crept into the church. Like people will come up and ask you, like, do you know Jesus? But the way we hear it is, do you know about Jesus? And how? what's the typical response? Like, yeah, I know about Jesus. But how many people know Jesus, not know about him? We could go to probably... 90% of Americans, and they've, they've heard the story of Jesus. They know that he died on a cross and rose again. If we did a pop quiz, they know those little facts. But do they know Jesus? Well, that's the, that's the part where we crossed into, this isn't just a knowledge thing anymore. This is a relation, relationship thing. This is a connection thing. Gnosticism isn't going to save you. Having some kind of higher knowledge, special knowledge. You knowing that you're supposed to serve other people isn't going to help you and it's definitely not going to help them. You can sit here today and listen to my sermon and walk out somewhat enlightened, but if you don't go do it, there's no blessing. you might as well have not heard my message. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Where you hear a message like this and you hear about serving other people, but then we walk out the doors and forget that other people exist. And we get so zoned in on ourselves and our needs and what we got to go do and we've got an agenda for the day. We got to go do this and go do that. That we just, we miss the fact that other humans exist. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You are called to serve those around you. You're called to lay down your life, not to self-serve. And notice how prevalent it is in our society. Like everything's self-serve now. You don't even want to trust a barista with your coffee. You want self-serve coffee. You want self-serve ice cream. You want to self-serve your groceries. Like you walk into the grocery stores and you're the one checking your own bags now. They're like, it's not worth it for us to pay someone to put these in bags for you because you're just mad at how they arranged it in your bags anyway, so we'll just let you do it yourself. And obviously, I'm being kind of facetious with those examples, but like, this is, this is how self-serving our society has become. How disconnected from other people. Now you don't have to deal with the cashier. Now you don't have to deal with the barista. Now you don't have to deal with people. And you're just removing slowly opportunities to serve, to help people, to love people. And it's amazing. Like when I'm out and about, like I smile at people or I'm engaging or I say something to people and they just look at you like, why are you talking to me? Why are you being nice? And you just, you feel like you're under suspicion or something for being a normal human being. Like it is normal. Normal to interact and be social. It is normal to talk to other people that you see and meet on the street. That's, that should be normal. Bring back real normal. Not this new normal that everybody talks about. <laughs> how, God, how God made us to be and the way Jesus encourages us to be. Don't, don't get a position of power and then lord it over other people. If you have a position of power, if you have a position of influence, if you've been trained and you know the things to do to serve other people, then go love them. Go help them. Please and thank you to strangers. Goes a long way. It's amazing. Opening a door for someone you don't know. like Just those little things. That you're like actively looking for a way to serve. How do I serve you? And then there's the messy part of it. Like, it's not always just opening a door for somebody else. Sometimes serving other people gets messy. And you're dealing with emotions, and you're dealing with hurts, you're dealing with pain. And it's not always fun. But the ways that you can really serve somebody is when you really know them. When you kind of start to figure out what makes them tick. It's easy, we could say, to just open the door for somebody else. But if I know you, I've been close enough in your life to to know the real you, I'm going to know what's really going on. And that's where the, the real opportunity to serve comes in. To truly love other people like Jesus loved. That's what we're called to do, church. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. To love like Jesus loved. To serve like Jesus served. Not self-serving. Our motivation has to be them. Them. Not you. This kind of this is heavy, right? This is, it. this is heavy. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I can't force you. I'm actively trying to persuade you right now, but I can't force you. You have to make the decision. I'm going to serve, I'm going to look for ways to serve. I'm going to change my focus from myself to other people. I'm going to, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to switch it. I'm not going to be so self-focused. I've got to look at other people. I've got to see what's really going on in their lives. I've got to look in their eyes and maybe see the hurt, the pain. Ask what they're going through. No, what are you really facing? How can, how can I pray for you? That's a good way to serve. How can I pray for you? Jesus asked the question in Luke 6, 46. He said, how can you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And as Christians, we so easily fall into that pattern. We know Jesus is our Lord, but then we don't do what he says. We don't want to do what he said. Well, I don't want to do what he said. I don't want to serve other people. I want to serve myself. Well, I picked the wrong vocation if that's the case. Right? You picked the wrong religion if that's the case. Right Like you can't, you've come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but there's more to do. There's people to serve, there's people to love on. You can't come into this religion, you can't accept this free grace and not give back, not serve, not love. This is what you were designed for. Church, this is what you were made for. This is how we make an impact in the world. It's to serve other people, to love other people. To lay our lives down for other people. To wash other people's feet. It's a little bit uncomfortable. It's it's uncomfortable to get that close to somebody. It's uncomfortable to really be in their lives. To know what makes them tick. To be involved in their mess. And love on them anyway. To know that you might get betrayed. And to love them anyway. To pursue them anyway. To serve them anyway. To find ways. You're like, like some of you are probably thinking, well, like, how do I do this? What does that look like? You have to be in their lives to know how to serve them. This isn't some cookie-cutter thing. That's where I think it's a a mistake to make foot washing a a service. Because you're just making it a cookie-cutter thing, a religious ritual. And we instantly just make it into legalism. And I'm not saying we won't ever wash each other's feet. Maybe God will tell us to do that at some point in the future. I don't know. Keep you on your toes. But, I love that you got that. (laughs) But Think about this. If you're really serving other people, you don't need to be told how to do it. You don't need some ritual Like, okay, this is, I'm I'm only going to wash their feet and that's it. Well, washing other people's feet in our day isn't really doing them a favor. It's just not. It's not the same thing. So what's the crossover in our culture? You have to find it. You have to get close enough to somebody to know what makes them tick you have to get close enough to somebody and trust somebody enough to know they might still betray you. You're taking on the chance or risk of pain in order to be vulnerable. That's uncomfortable. And you know what's interesting to me? Is you've got two interactions here. You've got the interaction knowing Judas is going to betray him. But you also got the interaction of Peter. Peter. And in reality, Peter very much betrayed Jesus as well. He denied knowing Jesus at the moment when it mattered most. And Jesus is facing his death. And you can't tell me Jesus didn't feel betrayed by what Peter did as well as what Judas did. And you see the interactions, and you see Jesus loving anyway, serving anyway. And it's powerful we say we're a church pursuing revival, pursuing the things of God, this is one of those foundational things. This is why Jesus came. I mean, he literally, out of his mouth, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's one of the many reasons Jesus came. Like, yeah, Jesus came to die for our sins. Yeah, Jesus came. Like, but Jesus came to serve. And to set an example for us to serve. And I see that for us. I see that for our church. A church that loves each other. A church that gets in people's eyes, gets in people's lives. And and serves. Would you stand with me? Make us servants. Show, it, show us what it looks like in our context. Show this group of people right here what it looks like to really serve with no ulterior motive. Show us what it looks like to see other people, to really see them, to love them. To break down walls and barriers and pass the uncomfortable. To know the things that they're facing. To let it cost us. God, I want to pay the price of servanthood. I want to be truly vulnerable. I want to truly lay down my life and the things, that, the things that I want, the things that I desire. God, help us to do that, to become that. God, I pray for every person in this room to, to be able to cross that chasm between knowledge and action. That today they don't just hear this message and walk out the door and change nothing. Your default setting is selfish, folks. You're gonna have to actively change it. You're gonna have to seek out opportunities to serve. You're gonna have to find a way. This is gonna be a little bit of a battle. It's uncomfortable to take off your outer cloak. It's uncomfortable to find the towel. It's uncomfortable to go and get the water basin. God's called you to it. God said, this is what you do. You're not greater than your master. You call him Lord, but you got to do what he says. You got to do what he says. You can't just call him Lord and say, thank God I'm saved. Now I'm going to heaven. This isn't about... Selfish us. You didn't get saved as a selfish person to be a selfish person. You got saved to be set free. To see other people, to see outside yourself. And to serve. So God, help us to do that today. Help us to become this message today. Help us to lay down our lives, to see other people, to fight the default setting in our lives, to fight the selfishness that crops up all the time. That we choose to battle that. We choose to push against that. We choose to fight it and say, no, we're going to serve. We're going to look for ways to serve. We're going to become servants. We're going to use all of our power to help other people, to lift them up. We're going to use everything we've got to help other people, to love other people. Not to be self-serving. Not to benefit on our own. So would you repeat this after me and just say, Jesus, help me serve. Remove all the selfishness so that I can see other people as you see them, so that I can love other people like you love them, so I can lay down my life like you laid down yours. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening today. Now it's time to put your faith into action by applying this word to your life. If you'd like help taking your next steps with Jesus, contact us at revivechicago.church.